So the other day we were in English class, right? What what are you smiling about? Nothing. <laughs> what are you smiling about? Bro, you just seem like a robot every how, time you do it. How? No, it's fine, just go. Alright, fine. Just say something. Okay. The other day we were in English class. I don't know how it got mentioned, but Ulysses got mentioned by Bro, what are you smiling <laughs> about? <laughs> Bro. Okay. Alright, fine. Retake. Stop smiling while I'm talking. Alright, bro. <laughs> what what are you smiling about? It's just so fun. I don't know. What's something's funny? funny? Something's funny. My humor. Alright, bro. Okay. The other day we were in English class and bro, you cannot laugh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not to. All right, all right, all right. The other day we were in English class, and yeah. somehow the book Ulysses got mentioned, and she said that it was one of the hardest. Or my teacher said it was that one. It was one of the hardest English books ever to read, and I remember talking about this between you and me about the other book he wrote, which he wrote 18 years after Finnegan's Wake. It was 16 years. I think. Oh, 16. But around around the time, yeah. Yeah. And that one was that one's way harder than Ulysses, right? Yeah, it's just. But the the argument that most people make against that book is that it's just not, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because it's just like words on a paper. Yeah. So. But what if it's not? Yeah, what if it means something? I don't know. Who's gonna decipher it? Someone who spends that much time on the craft. It's just... also written in seven languages or something. But also, I I feel like when you say someone that spends a bunch of time on the craft or whatever, but. It's been more than a hundred years since that book came out, and no one has done anything to. What if no one's just spent that it? much time on literature since then? Think about it, because no, I don't know about that. Because there's all these sweats that whenever I'm reading essays about Faustus and stuff, all these all these sweats that just write twenty page papers about Faustus. I know, but that's way different than writing an actual thing, writing an actual story. Okay, who's the last great author? Like, think about it. Has anyone in the past twenty or fifty years? been as yeah. influential as someone like james joyce yeah who the game of thrones author okay but are we comparing games game of yeah. thrones to ulysses really yeah oh game of thrones is considered one of the best books ever written no way yeah of all time it's considered the or that and then there's this other guy named brandon sanderson i know about brandon sanderson i used to yeah. read brandon sanderson yeah, but some of his I forgot what it, there's. He has Mistborn, Mistborn, oh, Mistborn, and Stormlight. Stormlight. Yeah. I've read both of them. Oh really? You finished Stormlight? It's yeah. so long though. But I, I haven't read it myself. But Stormlight yeah. is considered one of, if not the best fantasy series of all time. Yeah, it was. Same, it was really same good. with same with Game of Thrones. Yeah, but you think that compares to some other books that have been written in history, bro? Potentially, yeah. Because that's what we have in contemporary. What about Odysseus, the Greek epic? Yeah. What about the Greek epic? You think? Something like that compares to. I, I'm, I, I haven't read Stormlight. I'm just, it's just based off what I'm saying, or based off what I, I've, I've been hearing about those books. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. I haven't read everything to compare. I don't know. I feel like literature has declined. There hasn't been so many. I, I feel like we say that, but then if you go back to Shakespeare's time, they probably thought Shakespeare was like the marvel of that time, and that the, the classic literature was the greatest, and Shakespeare was just the, you know. He was just—he was doing what Marvel is doing right now, just mainstream stuff. I don't and then now so. we look back at that time, and we're like, "Oh, this guy was super great." I don't know, but I don't know about that one. I think that's just the same. It happens everything. There's always, because every time someone says, if a new movie comes out and someone says this movie's the greatest, the greatest movie ever made, people just will say this is recency bias, because the movies that were made in history are far greater. Yeah. But as time passes on, if the movie ages well, people can look at it as the best movie of all time.
Because I guarantee when The Godfather came out, people didn't people didn't automatically say this is the best movie ever made. They probably said something about Citizen Kane or Casablanca. Do you think so? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I I wouldn't know. <laughs> I didn't live then. Well, I didn't live then either. Should ask but, someone. But I just assume that's that's just the case. It that's just the way it is because I think there's no way to say say that affirmatively or. I mean, I don't know because if you look at the movie Whiplash, for example, mm-hmm. the movie came out in 2014 and it's considered one of the best movies ever. Mm-hmm. But it is guaranteed when it came out. People weren't talking about it in the same context that they're talking about it now. Oh. Okay. They're just saying this is a really good movie. And then the the discussion slowly shifts from this is a really good movie to this is one of the best movies ever made. I think the same is true for literature. Okay. Well, the reason I said it for literature is because I just feel like people don't spend as much time on literature anymore or even their craft. I mean, there's good authors, right? But... Now there's just so many distractions in the world. I just feel like no one would spend 18 years writing a book anymore or has anyone That's recently. True. I'm not sure. I don't I haven't read much recent stuff. Yeah. So can't say. Yeah. But yeah, I mean you think the books that they wrote back then were a lot more personal cuz now people are writing about as we were talking about fantasy mm-hmm. or they're talking or the sci-fi is really big now. Yeah. in terms of books and movies mm-hmm. and horror i guess a little bit thriller for sure the crime all that crime stuff yeah that's all really big right i now. can't think of any old fantasy books odysseus probably they that was, was that fantasy or, or odyssey those yeah. weren't fantasies those were epics were they? epics yeah, yeah i guess but I, I feel like they're in the same vein no no you think people got more creative or imaginative yeah yeah because even if you, I would still say, well, fantasy is a genre. Fantasy doesn't mean it's not real. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the, it's just different. Meaning what? The world that they live in is different from the world that we live in. Okay. But then what's the difference between dystopia and fantasy? Dystopia is, dystop- the meaning of dystopia is, it's when everything looks all right. Or but, it's when everything it looks like a perfect world, but mm-hmm. there's some dark, sinister undertones to it. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. the giver. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm still trying to think of any old fantasy books, and I just can't think of any. There, epics are retellings of stories or yeah, supposed real life things that happen. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Let me think. I think people might have got- Lord of the Rings. How old is that? How old are you talking when you say old? Like older. Okay, this is 19th century, I think. Yeah, I mean, but not... that's around the time Ulysses came out as well. Yeah, but th- I'm I'm talking about older, bro. Like Odysseus. <laughs> oh, at that time, yeah, but th- that is the only literature known right now, and most of those books were burned down, so we just have no way of knowing. Okay, but what about even before that? Shakespeare books aren't fantasy. Shake Odyssey was way before Shakespeare. Odyssey was written in BC times. Yeah, I know. You're saying we don't know if there were fantasy books back then because a lot of them were burned down? Or that's the only literature we have from back then? Is that what you're no, saying? No, yeah. Th- that is some of the only literature we have from back in the, the Greek times. Okay. You you think we just don't have that much literature from no, back then? No, All the big libraries burned down. 
the library of alexandria or whatever okay what about before the 11th century there had mm-hmm. to there has to be a lot of books from then were there bro look up how many look up how many books from the 11th century we still have to, or from before the 11th century we still have today i mean yeah okay but I don't know, bro. I feel like there might be a correlation between fantasy and recent times just because I think when you have more free time on your hands, because before people were so preoccupied with other duties, I think once you become less preoccupied with those things, then you have more time for being imaginative like fantasy or even think of all the inventions we've made recent or in recent times. I think that's due to, you know, less worry about basic security, you know? Mm. I'm looking. I'm looking at all the the oldest books to exist, and the the oldest books that I'm looking at, they're just religious texts. Yeah. So you know. The so Buddhist you think there were fantasy or, books from then? They just weren't preserved. Yeah. Interesting. Because they'd go for the religious ones, I'd say. Look up oldest fantasy books. Sure. But. Yeah. You know, on the term of, or on like once while we're speaking about fantasy. Why do people consider, or why do people, why was Harry Potter such a big seller? Because when you think yeah, of the first, so yeah, you might be right. The first one it says was 1858, or the first yeah. commonly considered fantasy book yeah. was 1858. What book was it? Was it by, uh, what's his name? Something Werner? No, it's by some guy named George MacDonald. George MacDonald. Oh, okay. There's a guy named Werner, and he wrote about these books. I remember I was reading them in middle school, and it was these... I don't know if his name was Werner, but it was these crazy books, bro. And it might have been science fiction. It was science was fiction. Was it C.L. Werner? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Did he write a book about... The Witch Hunter? No. There's a book where he was talking about how the fourth dimension was time. And this dude was moving on the plane of time. It was science fiction. It was a fantasy. But I just thought that idea was crazy to have come up with in whatever, like... It was in the 19th century, maybe late 19th century, but I don't know. I thought that was insane. I okay. I need to go back and read it because I don't remember much of it. No idea. Okay. Zero idea. Yeah. It's not saying anything about that. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. There's also the other one. What's it called? A Wheel of Time or something like that. That's a famous book. I think I've heard of it. It's famous. I don't know when it came out. For oh, okay. The, there's a movie about it yeah <laughs> or there's a movie based on it adaptation you think we'll oh okay there's there's three books but it came out it's contemporary it came out in 2009 to 2011 or something there's three books oh and Brandon Sanderson apparently co-authored the last one. Oh really yeah yeah Brandon Sanderson he's there's I, I have I knew I know a guy that read all three of these books and he said it's super good and it's it's the best series ever made. Really? Yeah, but I don't know if he's read other classic literature. Yeah. But on the topic of classic literature, the reason I brought up fantasy is that a lot more authors are writing in in sci-fi or horror or thriller or some other genre that's not, you know, whatever they had back then. Is I mean, a lot texts I think have just been or books in general have been. The further you go back in time, the more religious they are. Mm-hmm. Because religion is so important, and it makes sense that that would be what's preserved. Mm-hmm. 
but also the books that were written in the 18th and 19th and 20th centuries also had a lot to do with religion. The in in the English class that I'm in right now, the Faust tradition, where the the basic concept behind the class, it's based off Faustus, who apparently sells his soul to the devil, mm-hmm. and all of these have to do with religion a lot. Mm-hmm. The first one, it was it was called the Bacchae, mm-hmm. and it took place in ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. So this is written in the BC times. This is written in 3000 BC or something, and they somehow preserved it mm-hmm. or whatever. Pages 3000 pages have been lost in I, yeah, 300 yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But pages have been lost and stuff. But the story, the main story, has been remained pretty intact, and they translated it over. Mm-hmm. And it's about the Greek god, and he comes over, and then the main guy says, or not the main good guy, but whatever the antagonist. It's the god comes in human form to get the people of the city to believe in him. But the the king of the city says no, he doesn't exist, because it, it there there's a whole history related with that, but that's a pretty religious thing, because mm-hmm. it has to do with a god directly, and our teacher was even saying that going to that play, and watching that play was an act of worship of God, in those times. Oh, interesting. And then, the second book was Faustus, which mm-hmm. it's the most or it's it's the most conventionally well known, about that but that's that has a lot to do with religion it has mm-hmm. a lot to do with christianity yeah and because... you won't understand a lot of the hidden meaning behind the book if you have no knowledge of lutheranism or protestantism or whatever faustus was raised in and the opposition between england and the roman catholic church at the time mm-hmm. a lot of the or a lot of the conflict at least goes over your head mm-hmm. if you don't have knowledge of these these you know religious circumstances yeah and what book did we read next? Oh, well, Heart of Darkness doesn't really have anything to do with that, even though it's written in the late, late 1800s. Uh, I, you know what I was reminded of? I was reminded of this story when you were talking about the Greek thing. Mm-hmm. It was, there's a story that when there was a giant, there was a flood, right? And this guy, he was, so basically he was saying, oh, so, someone save me. Or he was praying to his God. He was saying, God, please save me. Please save me right so then someone came with a someone came in a boat right they're saying okay let's go we're about to we we can get out of here he said no i don't need you god will come and save me and then after that i think someone someone came in a helicopter or something and they said we can like we can save you he said no i don't need you my god will save me and then at the end he just died and then he was he transcended into whatever upper realm and then the God said to him, you know, I came in so many different, he said, oh, why didn't you save me? He said to the God, why didn't you save me? I prayed for you. And I was such a, he was a devote, like a devout to this God. The God said, oh, I came in so many different forms. You just didn't choose to accept the help. Dude, that, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of those, the Christian medicine or whatever. What are those people called? Scientists, Christian scientists. Christian scientists, yeah. yeah. Where they, they, they get their head battered in or something at a football game. They just, they just kneel and start praying to God instead of getting the guy treatment. Yeah. <laughs> also, you have something in your eye. Do I? This eye. This eye? Yeah. Is it gone? Yeah. But, yeah, Christian scientists. I was... I, th- I remember that one Family Guy episode where, no. okay, there's this, I think Peter was, or no, 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 yeah, I think Stewie was sick or something, it was a joke, and then Peter was just saying, or someone, they had a Christian scientist neighbor or something, I forgot the exact details of the episode, that's how I found out about it, yeah, that's crazy though, 
I don't know. Is that the strict interpretation of the Bible? I wonder what's the proof against Christian scientists. What? I don't know. I don't think Christian... There's just... There's so much freedom to interpret in the Bible. Yeah. Similar to Hindu texts. Uh-huh. I think, based off what I've heard at least, the Quran is the only one that directly says... I mean, Christian Christianity, they have some principles where they said you can't absolutely break this no matter what. But a lot of the stuff... It's the same in which the people are supposed to look at the Bible and learn from the mistakes that the characters make. Yeah. And how they go against God. Yeah. That's the Old Testament. And then the New Testament is about Jesus. Oh. And his his teachings and stuff. Okay. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, it's just the way that you interpret the Bible, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Depending on, you know. Because I, I'd also tend to agree that g- the help of God can come in a lot of ways. He doesn't have to, you know, there, a light doesn't have to come out on you and you just float yeah, up in the air yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the boat and the helicopter and all of that. Yeah. That was just uh that's just a thing. Yeah. But there's some people that believe otherwise. Uh-huh. They really buy that story. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, but I think the story is the idea of the story was that he was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but there's some people that believe in that way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I don't know. Did I should they be punished for it? I mean <laughs> That maybe that's just their that's how they interpreted it. Yeah, the Bible doesn't specifically say. I don't think so. At least it, it's been a while since I've read it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think so. Sacred Heart days. Yeah, a long, long time ago. Yeah. It's been a few years at this point. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> back to literature. But yeah, but the the next book that we're about to read is called Master and the Margarita, and I'm pretty sure it's something about how the devil comes to Soviet Union in 1950 or 1919 or something. Okay. And he just he just messes around there. Oh. I haven't read it yet, but I've I've heard from a lot of different people that's it, a really good book. Is it related to Rasputin? No, no. Oh, okay. I don't think well, maybe. It might be. You know, I think a lot of people thought he was the devil or something just because of how he didn't die and the supposed powers he had. Was it? It was around that time period, I think, right? The Russian. It has, it has nothing to do with. Okay. To do with Rasputin. Okay. But also, a lot of the Russian literature I've read has a lot to do with religion as well. Mm-hmm. The old Russian literature. Yeah. Oh, like the brothers. The brothers Kremzov and Crime and Punishment. Uh-huh. All the Dostoevsky, and then there's a even this book has a lot to do with religion as well. Mm-hmm. But that book is is insane. It just it goes in on religion. The entire book is supposed to explore religion as a topic really yeah i mean what was it or maybe explain the story the story yeah it's kind of a complicated story but i'll explain it yeah it's it's it takes place over the course of i'd like to say a week or two weeks Mm -hmm. but the entire first half of the book just sets up the characters there's three brothers so there's one father Mm -hmm. named fyodor and then he has three sons, Alexei, Ivan, and Dmitri, I think. Those are the three names. Mm-hmm. And then, so just keep this bottle. And then, so these three guys, they're all fundamentally different in the way that they act. Mm-hmm. Dmitri just follows his heart and he follows his impulses. Mm-hmm. Ivan is supposed to be the super intelligent one and he's very super well respected. Mm-hmm. And he got he's uh, very well educated mm-hmm. and he's super well respected amongst everybody in the community. Mm-hmm. And then... Alexei is a super religious, super devout, 
super innocent. I, they they use innocent a lot to describe him. Mm. And he they, that's the order from oldest to youngest. And this father, he's just a super greedy guy. And he's just this asshole, pretty much. And he's the combination of the worst traits of all of them. Okay. And so that's the the first half of the book sends, spends a sweet amount of time setting up all the characters and their interactions and stuff like that. And in the second half, immediately, they find out that the dad got killed. And that when the dad got killed, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, they, they try to figure out who did it. And immediately they arrest the older brother, oldest brother on suspicion. The intelligent one? No, not the, the oldest was the one that follows his heart. Oh, right, one. right, right. And the middle is the intelligent. Yeah, the middle is the intelligent okay. one. And the, I mean, the main, the main contrast really has to do with the intelligent one and the, the religious one. Or the, it's not, it's not contrast, but they share con conflicting opinions. But it's worth a read. And then there's something about how this guy's trial is the trial of humanity. Whose trial? The the guy that they arrest on. Because it's very clear that he's innocent from the beginning. Oh, the... Oh, okay. The third brother. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty clear that he's innocent. I think, or at least a lot of people argue that it's not. And that they specifically leave out certain events. Because there's this whole thing about him... And his dad being in love with the same girl or something. And she's... This is the one that falls his heart? Yeah. Okay. There, there's a whole thing about him and, and his dad. And he's the oldest. Yeah, he's the oldest. Okay. And there's a certain certain days in the book where it just focuses on him. It, it switches around perspectives from the three brothers. And there's days that it just focuses on him. And they specifically leave out certain events. So people, of the, people that read have read the book argue that, you know the book says that he killed the person but the i i'd say that it's pretty obvious that he didn't but the way that he's put on trial all of that it's supposed to i think symbolize a trial of humanity as well whether you know the innocent people are being put on trial or, yeah uh, the innocent that person himself because he's also very he's flawed but he's also he's innocent mm -hmm. so there's that entire thing but it's it's I guess something about sin, and then the younger brother and the or the middle and the youngest brother, their entire thing and how they explore this murder and how they explore their the you know the aftermath and the consequences and the trial and everything. That's all. It's supposed to showcase various various aspects of humanity, I think. Oh, okay. And then. It's hard to explain. I you should just read the book. But it's, it's it's basically about a father and his three sons. The father gets murdered, and the oldest son gets put on trial, and then it just they explore situation in their community and a lot of stuff. It's a long book, okay. and it mainly has to do with the interactions between the people, because there's a lot of stuff where it just shifts away from the main plot, and the religious one goes and gives family, or this this begging family, some money or something like that. Yeah, to characterize him. Yeah. When was it written? 1865 or something. Oh. Long time ago. Yeah. It was the author's last book. He was apparently supposed to make a sequel focusing on the intelligent brother. But really? he died oh. immediately after, or soon after. Yeah. Which sucks. Because the second book probably would have been better. If it builds up the first book. And that guy knew what he was doing. Yeah. Russian literature. That's interesting. I've never read any Russian literature. Yeah, that and Crime and Punishment are the only ones that I've read. And I've read some of Notes from the, under Notes from the Underground.
Notes from the Underground is it's it. They're all three of these are written by the same author, M. Dostoevsky, mm-hmm. and it's he Notes from the Underground was his first book, and it was written while he was imprisoned, and they say he's wrongly imprisoned, or I read the introduction for In the Brothers Karamazov, and they say he was wrongly imprisoned and he wrote this book. Mm. But it's a collection of short stories, I think. Oh, and there's one slightly longish story between them. Yeah, you know. Speaking of short stories, you know, I'm in the short stories class, as you yeah. know, and we. So what we've been reading or what we read in at first was this collection of short stories from around the world, and then after that we we explored one of those short stories in detail, and I think are the one I were the one I was reading about was this one by an Indian. I don't know if she's Indian American or maybe Indo Canadian. Uh, author and it was about the the air india bombing in three years after 84 87 but short stories i think are such they're i think they're so like captivating because there's you know especially nowadays there's people who just they don't want to do the... I think sometimes in books, there's the grit work of getting... Especially when we were talking about Brandon Sanderson books, especially in those fantasy novels, there's a little bit of grit work in there that where you have to understand all the characters, the world they live in, the details. And you have to understand all of that in order to get the later reward, which is the story. So short stories, I think, are really good in that where you don't have to go through that. And I think most short stories pertain to the real world. I, I haven't... We haven't encountered any fantasy short stories yet. Yeah, even the short stories that I've read, they have nothing to do with fantasy or anything. Because I feel like it just takes so much time setting up yeah. the world and setting up setting and everything. Yeah. That there's just not... Or they'd have to make it a long story at that point. Yeah. We were even learning about the progression of short stories. And the very first part, which is exposition, I think, or the details, is it's supposed to be super short in a short story. Because our last assignment in this class is to write a short story so we were learning about that but yeah i think that way short stories are really good um but i think they just don't have the same effect as a novel because of when you when you're reading that novel for so long and then you know sometimes when you're reading a novel you even think about it after you're done reading it or you're thinking about it or i'm in the shower and i'm thinking about oh what is this character gonna do next or something like that you know sure yeah so I don't know. I enjoy them, but I I think they don't have the same effect as a novel. And especially, okay, there's, so recently I read a collection. So after that examination of one short story, we read this collection of short stories by an author. And the collection I read was this collection called Nocturnes by an author named Kazuo Ishigora. And he's, a bunch of these stories take place in the same piazza but they're not relate related as in the characters it's it's like the stories are occurring and one story is literally occurring on the other side of the piazza but you just they they don't interact at all the characters yeah 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 there's two stories where the characters do interact because but other than that so i thought that was really cool because you know it's like, I don't know. I just thought that idea is so interesting. Yeah. And apparently a, it's not something uncommon either. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to structure the story. Uh-huh. And I feel like we have, 
I, I don't know, actually. Because back in the day, if you look at old literature, it's fairly straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairly straightforward in a lot of a lot of areas, but especially the structure, I think, was very straightforward. And as storytelling has developed, people have been starting to put more effort into the structure. Because, for example, the book that we just finished reading in my English class, it's called Heart of Darkness. And the the story initially starts on with five men sitting on a boat that's going off into the, the Thames River, and they're looking back at the, the British city. And then the narrator, so th- these five men, they're the accountant, the lawyer, the director of companies, the narrator, and Marlo. And Marlo is the only one that's named amongst all five of these men. And the other five, are they just, they're just there to serve their purpose. And so the narrator starts talking about how great the River Thames is and how, you know, all these famous legends in, in Britain and these famous warriors and all these knights and so much has happened and so for the British people, right? And this, this river carries a lot of history. And then Marlowe starts talking about British conquest. And then he's, he compares it to the Romans conquest. And he's saying, he says, the idea of the British conquest is, a, or not British, but just European colonialism in general. He said it's a little bit different because, you know, we have the idea, or they, the Romans, just wanted to conquer us for our land and our resources. But we have the idea that we're going to civilize the people that we conquer. And then he breaks off into a story and he just describes all of his experiences in when he goes to uh, Africa. It's, it's unnamed. There's no names assigned to a lot of the things. The only two named characters in the entire novel are Marlowe and this guy named Kurtz. And no one else is. They're just given descriptions mm-hmm. like the manager or the manager's uncle mm-hmm. or my or Marlo's Marlo's aunt or you know Kurtz's fiance but they're never they're never explicitly named what is and, the uh, uh, go ahead but here the to the point about the structure uh the names is a little bit of a detour but the point about the structure Marlo recounts his experience and then at the end he there, occasionally he takes pauses and then it's it's just the narrator starts describing Marlo again but it quickly breaks off into Marlo's Marlo's thing so the at the the bulk of the novel takes place in in Marlowe's perspective. Only really the major parts are the first five pages and the last paragraph are the only parts that take place on the boat. But we in as a class have been thinking a lot about why this narrative structure was actually implemented. Because what's the point of putting five people on a boat and having him say the entire story and then just ending it off with one little paragraph? Yeah, that's. That's really interesting. In the the short story collection I read, the author is known for making his first person narrators unreliable. Really? So, yeah. So they're it's not even their memory. They just have such little self awareness sometimes that you just don't know what's going on. Yeah. And I remember in one story, the guy was just like you couldn't even tell what was going on because I mean you could tell what was going on, but he would build up to something, right? He'd be building up to something and then he would just jump to the next event. So they, so he was a musical artist and he was looking to join a band in London, right? And he was building up all these stories and then it's just suddenly he moved with his, he moved in with, to his sister's house in some country place in England. 
and then something like that happened again and so i think yeah i don't know that's interesting because if you, especially with if you have one character telling or retelling the entire events of the story i wonder how reliable that is i don't know the he the teacher had us consider the unreliability of the narrator because the main thing or the the ending of the book in this uh this book or this movie called this famous movie called apocalypse now which is made by the same creator as the godfather it adapts this book but it moves the context from africa to vietnam mm. but or it's not exactly the same the story is really different but it's based it's loosely it's a loose interpretation of the book this book and the main thing or the main the biggest confusing thing at the end was whenever kurtz dies in africa he gets sick from an illness or shit spoilers but whenever kurtz dies in the book he gets really sick from this thing in africa and he starts saying or he starts saying the horror the horror and then marlo the horror the horror and then marlo unable to watch you know what's going on he just leaves and then later some african guy comes and tells him that kurtz died but and presumably these are kurtz's last words and at the end whenever marlo meets kurtz's fiance after a year or so after he comes back from africa mm -hmm. he says or she asks him what were his last words and he said the last word that he said was your name and that's mm -hmm. the end of his narration and then he says, so the entire book from the beginning, at least, or in the beginning of his narration, he always says, he talks about how he hates lying. Interesting. And he says that, you know, that lie at the end he told because he, he was, or he, you know, she, she was, she couldn't handle the truth or, you know, it, it, it would break his heart to tell the truth or it was, it would ruin the perception of Kurtz because Kurtz, he was a super respected guy in Europe. Uh -huh. But when he went to Africa, he basically just became a savage. Interesting. And he thought that telling her what actually happened in Africa would ruin her perception. But the teacher had us consider, in the context of the book itself, is what Marlowe said actually a lie? He thought he said a lie, but he was, or the teacher was saying at least, that the or the the reason the frame narrative was was put into that book in the first place was to have the narrator and the director of companies and all these five men on a boat they look upon their city as a city of grandeur at first but after they hear the story they refer to or they look back at the city and they say you know it felt like we were looking into the heart of darkness so the the, the thing that it's suggesting is that you know the european colonials they described these Africans are savages. And then they they're they basically just sold their soul so they can commit atrocities or whatever. They had to just numb down that human part of themselves. Yeah. So they could commit these atrocities. Or that's the common belief. But I think that what the author was trying to argue was that all this this dark desire is just part of us as humans, this animal instinct. Yeah. And that so the notion of civilization kind of hides it. So when we're amongst other people in or we meaning europeans but when people were amongst other european people they were held accountable for their actions right there's police and all that stuff still to this day and once kurtz this well-respected gentleman in european society was thrown into this african thing where you know he he viewed it as tribal and uncivilized he adapted and became tribal and uncivilized as well Okay, but it's but the reason why he was saying that the the lie was actually not a lie, 
and why the horror itself was actually the truth or when he said the horror was your name or Curtis's last words were the horror but Marlowe says that the last words were or he, the last word that he said was your name to the fiance they're saying that the, the people that that are in Europe as well are also part of the horror they're also part of the uncivilized and they're also part of that animal instinct oh okay and so wait so the argument from that you mentioned before this or the commonly viewed argument was what again commonly viewed argument in terms of what or what they commonly view the book as conveying you said that you think the author's arguing everyone has an animalistic instinct it's i i mean it's mainly there's a lot of references to faust and stuff but i'd say a lot of people kind of just refer to that to that lie at least at the end they just refer to him as or they the author has been accused of misogyny mm-hmm. and stuff like that a lot but he's saying that women women are these innocent and delicate or people say that he views women as innocent and delicate creatures and that they can't be or they can't bear the truth so it's the man's responsibility to keep it from them Oh. That that's I think the common interpretation. Okay, but when you were talking about he sold his soul, or yeah, the soul, the soul part. It's these European people to civilize the people. They had to sell their soul, to to, so they can be you know humanely capable of committing these atrocities. Because oh. no human would do that to another human. Yeah. Oh. And I think that still rings true because Marlowe, the the name of Marlowe, the character, mm-hmm. it's. It's the author. It's a direct reference to the author of uh, Faustus, yeah, yeah. whose name was Christopher Marlowe. Okay. And I then there's it. also uh, other little references here and there. Yeah. Okay. But I think both are true. I think he's just saying the devil just took them over. Uh-huh. But he's saying that the devil has the potential to take them over, even in European civilization as well. And I think that's the purpose of that narrative. Because it... It addresses that from the author's author's you know point of view, or the narrator's point of view rather, should I say? Yeah. Because the narrator sees the city as something else at the beginning and the end of the story. Mm-hmm. What did he say at the end about the city? He said, "Looking back at the city, it felt like looking into the heart of darkness." Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and the reason I brought that up was because you were talking about the unreliable narrator. Uh huh. And. You know, in Marlowe says that he lied. Get so going. But Marlowe says that he lied. But the argument was that what if he just didn't actually lie at all? And this in the context of the book that was the truth. Yeah. 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 It's weird to think about. It is weird to think about. Because it's the narrator and then also the structure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was still thinking about that idea of them selling their soul to justify what they did to other yeah. people. I mean, it's not explicitly stated anywhere, yeah. but if you look at the names of the characters yeah. and the references made to that other book, yeah. where you know the main story is about the guy who sold his soul mm-hmm. to obtain all this power. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's gross. Yeah could make some references but i'm not going to that's all right don't even say that bro we'll actually get i don't know something something bad or no way that can be a good thing also uh, speaking about the devil Uh there was this there was this we saw this play of faustus and i actually really or i thought it was super interesting how the devil was depicted in that he was 
You're just this weak man. You good? Yeah. All right. You're just this weak man that he couldn't even walk around and he had to be carried by two dudes at all times. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? What? And I don't know if you remember this, but in the fourth Harry Potter movie, <laughs> <laughs> chill, chill. Okay, they had when they had to give birth to Vol- or Voldemort was this little like scrawny baby, yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. just bones, and they had to throw him in this thing to make him full again. But yeah, yeah. And well, he basically Harry- he was basically that can also be interpreted as uh, selling your soul, and it is because when remember when when they made a Horcrux, what they did was. They took a part of their soul and split yeah. it. And the only way they could do it was by killing someone else. Oh, yeah, right. That's how it was, right? Yeah. And yeah. He, he made... Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Yeah. And every time he sold his soul, his face would get more and more warped. And that's how he end, go, ended up going from a guy to that white thing. Yeah. <laughs> that ugly white thing. Yeah. Have you read the books for Harry Potter? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, you know, my favorite book was always... It was The Half-Blood Prince. But yeah, same. The, the movie, the movie didn't do it. Yeah, because the movie focused on the irrelevant parts of the book. I think because the book was mainly about is about Dumbledore and Harry Potter and their their experiences because they were up to some some cool stuff. They were finding the Horcruxes and stuff. Yeah, but the movie just cut cuts all that out completely. Yeah, and it goes really deep into Voldemort and his backstory uh-huh. and the Horcruxes. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. But the movie just cuts that out completely instead yeah. and chooses to focus on the. The love story between like Ron and Hermione or something, <laughs> and oh, and Harry and Ron's sister. Mainstream marketing, but yeah, it was. I don't know. I feel like that's where they really messed up with the movies, but the yeah. rest of them were good. Yeah, Order of the Phoenix, Order of the Phoenix especially was a good movie, because the book is considered the worst of the series, uh-huh. but the movie's considered the best. Yeah, the movie was good. I think they condensed it, because the Order of the Phoenix is the longest. It's book, the longest one. Yeah, since yeah. that they condensed it well. Yep. I don't remember that much about Harry Potter. I watched it a ton when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. Huge, I mean, I still remember what happens in all the movies. Huge Harry Potter guy. Huge? Yeah, <laughs> not really. I know, I know some bigger fans. Yeah. But I, how I know how did I Harry Potter become such a popular book, bro? We should talk about that. Hmm. That is a good question. She's the richest author of all time, right? Is she? Yeah. She, uh, that she, makes sense. Yeah. She made a billion dollars just off her books. Yeah. It's just the marketing. Oh, and her movies, the movies, probably. The movies. Yeah, yeah. But why do the movies become so successful based off other book-to-movie adaptations? I don't know. I think, oh, for her, she kept original or whatever, creative liberty. I don't know. Oh, no, no. So basically, the directors weren't allowed to take creative liberties. The contract was that she had to approve every decision made yeah but she, so she kept oh, okay, the movies okay, okay. original to the books yeah that makes sense remember the percy jackson movies yeah they're all they flopped they're because awful, yeah. the director was allowed to take creative liberties and he yeah. messed up a lot yeah he definitely did i remember i watched those movies as a kid and i got so or whatever i didn't get mad and i wasn't that just like, what, the, what the hell is this yeah i was surprised because there was this thing at the end of the third book where they brought that one tree girl back to life. <laughs> and, but they did it at the end of the second movie. Yeah, and They yeah. just cut through the entire second half of that movie just yeah. to get to that point. Yeah. And it made no sense at all. Yeah. What are they doing? But yeah. The yeah. first one I, I don't remember was that bad. It was just bad in terms of visual effects, I think. Yeah. You know Disney's redoing Percy Jackson? Yeah, I saw. And Annabelle is yeah. black yeah. and Grover's <laughs> Indian. I saw that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't understand why. I don't know. I, they, I feel like that's just... I don't know. It's not virtue signaling, virtue signaling, but there's there's definitely a better way to put it. What is virtue signaling again? Like you, you try to appeal to everybody. Oh right. Okay, like you. I don't know. 
Like yeah. you're trying to be morally right or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. You're trying to be politically correct. Yeah. And you try to you try to appeal to everybody. Oh, okay. I don't know how. To, I don't know. It's politically yeah. Try to be politically yeah, correct. Politically correct. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example, but yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say it. But uh, but yeah, I feel like there's just no point because even there's this new thing about them casting the black girl as Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. But at this point, what's the point? Because if if I don't know, a, a white girl played Black Panther's sister, it would not go over the same way. Yeah, I feel like what they should do, in terms of the movie industry, is that they create should keep. New, they should create. They should create new ones. Yeah, create new black characters. Yeah, like Black Panther. Yeah, Black Black Panther was a good one, and yeah. then the Disney could create a ton of black princesses, bro. Yeah. There's, I don't, I just don't know. Princess and the Frog. Yeah, I, I just don't know why they're just. That was a good movie. I, I don't. I've never seen it actually, okay. but, uh, I don't understand why they just. They just cast the black actors as the white characters. Yeah. Even though the history of the film industry has been white. Yeah. There's no need to just remake these movies over and over again. Yeah. Just yeah. make new ones. Yeah. Because, and also, actually, I don't know if I want to get into all that, but they should definitely make a movie about Mansa Musa as a guy. Yeah. And a lot of African history as well. I feel like they can make some good movies out of. Yeah. Mansa Musa, man. He's the, he's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to get into all that, though? Oh, I was gonna. I was just going to say, there's just... I go to the bathroom, but I feel like the the film industry. The blanket will block it out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Well, it's really far away, but I feel like the the biggest. I don't know. Even in a lot of movies, like Twelve Years a Slave, for example, the movies that are mainly focused on on black people, I feel like they're a lot. They have a lot to do with slavery and stuff, or slavery, slavery in the civil rights. Movie. Yeah. But it just it just never anything about their history. Yeah. It keeps them down. Yeah. I, I feel like Black Panther was a step in the right direction. It's yeah. a good movie. Yeah. It was. It's rare these days. Yeah. What great mainstream movie. Yeah. Dude, it's uh yeah, it's a good movie. But you know, I actually thought Killmonger the way that they wrote him was just crazy. Yeah. Because it's it's similar to how or I don't know. He was definitely way more right than anybody in that movie. And the only reason he's a villain is because they wrote him that way. Or they they wrote him just to make sure that he's not too sympathetic. Because his cause and his motive and his reasoning for everything that he does, it's it's all right. But then the writers probably thought, oh, this guy is literally, he's way better than our main character. How about we just, you know, make him choke an old woman or something. To, so So we can show that he's the bad guy and he needs to be killed. Wait, what did he do? So his entire thing was that. So he no, no 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 he choked he did what to an old he woman? choked an old woman when he choked uh, Black Panther's mom, I think I, I remember seeing that scene. Maybe I don't remember, but because if you think about it, he came into Wakanda and he said all this stuff, and then the people pushed back. The people of Wakanda pushed back against it. So the main characters pushed back against him, and then he legally won his way to title to to challenge for the throne, or by the rules of Wakanda. And he beat T'Challa, mm-hmm. and then he started doing, you know, all the stuff that he's doing. And at the end, whenever T'Challa comes back to beat him, he they had, he had literally admits that he he was right. The policy of Wakanda literally gets changed after after the after Michael B. Jordan's character gets beat, and it changes in the way that he wants it to change. Because mm-hmm. I think his no, thing is about think... opening opening up the resources to the rest of the world. No, right. He wanted to ship weapons to the world. Did he? Yeah. I forget. I feel like 
his entire thing was that they have all these resources but they're not doing anything to help the world that makes sense and i think what they did after that was they used their resources to help others but what i think what he wanted to do is he wanted to ship he was shipping in the end he was shipping all those weapons across the world and he wanted the people to rise up against or he wanted black people to rise or the oppressed around the world to rise up did he was that it yeah. i don't remember but i remember him being pretty compelling that's compelling but i also i thought that i didn't think it was that compelling because because the other guy's reasoning or t'challa's reasoning was that um if you open up the borders to the world then they'll just pillage you like they pillage everyone else yeah i don't know i saw that movie in 2018 and i don't think i've I, no, i've seen it again once but yeah i don't i haven't seen it again very often mm-hmm. but because even in the movie the american officials or they wanted to they just wanted their technology so bad remember yeah, yeah. yeah. it's crazy it's like the oil people <laughs> yeah the oil people get a lot of flack from the rest of the world too yeah because because of their culture their their ways you know but no no not that oil people i mean how america just goes to war at where anywhere oil, anywhere where oil is oh to get the oil yeah. oh that i get that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. that already makes sense for profit pretty yeah. much we should talk about adaptation from literature to books yeah we could yeah or from literature to movies you mean or literature to movies yeah hmm it's our class next year or next semester <laughs> yeah it is i don't know what the only the only books to movies because we're talking about percy jackson and harry yeah, potter yeah, so. yeah but the only books and movies that i remember reading there it's the uh percy jackson harry potter all this mainstream stuff hunger games i've read both the books and the and seen the movies as well mm-hmm. and then I, I think there's is there a book for fight club there might be i don't know I don't know either, but there's there's books for other yeah, there's books for the Godfather. I know some people in our school read the book and seen the movie. I've only seen the movie, mm-hmm. and there's other stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. And also, I guess I've read a bunch of manga that got made into an anime. That's similar, not really. The because... Mahabharat show. Yeah, <laughs> that's an yeah. adaptation. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. No, I don't. No, it's not. It's not that different. They adapted it. Yeah. It was a long show. Yeah. They'd after the entire Mahabharat yep. episode. It's done now, right? What? Yeah, it's been yeah. done. All right. Good. I mean, I used to watch it as a kid, I, I, but I I didn't watch the whole thing. I just tuned into specific episodes yeah. at times. Yeah. Yeah. I just had no idea what was happening. <laughs> and uh, Three Idiots. Three Idiots was a... Uh, three Idiots was a book. Five, as well. five point nobody or something. Something like that. Five point someone. I don't know. Five point some ah yeah something like that yeah, yeah. Chet and Bogut. yep I I don't know a lot of people that have read the books the movies just very bad in comparison and Slumdog Millionaire as well really yeah and but a lot of people said that you know the movie missed out on a lot of the actual aspects just, I don't know not a huge fan of Slumdog Millionaire uh huh just makes India look like a shithole <laughs> yeah I think there's a reason they gave an Oscar to it. <laughs> they wouldn't give yeah. an Oscar to a book or yeah it's like what we were talking about earlier they wouldn't give an Oscar to a movie that you know upholds our people yeah you know I mean saying? yeah the 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 main Lagan won an or Lagan was the last Oscar nomination yeah. it was about the British oppressing and then there there's another one too right? Mother India yeah and then even even and RRR Salam Bombay. even RRR yeah and RRR it's that's, all, that's crazy all these movies about that's Indian crazy. people rising up to the British no, it's all these or, movies about them being oppressed by yeah, the British. Yeah, being oppressed by the British. They won't give an award to just Indian people thriving in India. Yep. Well, 
What can we do? Yeah. Three Idiots, I feel like, should have gone there. It's a great movie. Three Idiots is so good. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know. They even, in terms of adaptation, I feel like in, in a film sense, a lot of it is lost. Mm-hmm. Because? Short, runtime. Oh. Runtime and also narration. Yeah. This is very, or it's, you can't do good narration in, in any, in a book-to-movie adaptation. Or you yeah. can't do it in a way that it flows. Yeah, because you have to put something on the screen while they're narrating. Yeah. And then, or their internal monologue or something. Yeah. I mean, you can't just have this guy sitting there. <laughs> thought bubble. While somebody else is. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like even in, if you're going. I mean, I saw this anime once that was. It was adapted from a book. Mm-hmm. And to compensate. They did some weird director thing. I don't know. I just, It's hard to explain. I just won't go and get into that. But. Uh, yeah, a lot of, I, I feel like the manga to anime is the smoothest in terms of source material to adaptation I've ever seen in, in all industries. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you, maybe it's easier because it's comics, but also the books to anime are also have just generally been better. Yeah. I don't. From if you think about, it, I wonder when the first adaptation was from a book to a movie because movies have been around such a short period of time compared to mm-hmm. books, and there was just no intent for books ever. I mean, books were adapted into plays, right, for a long time, but movies are just this completely new concept, and I wonder, you know, especially with the first adaptation, what it was like, you know, adapting a book into a movie. In 1899, Cinderella came out, and that was the first. Oh. But Cinderella isn't a novel. It's like, Cinderella's a story, just a... Yeah. Oh, and then he released some movie called King John, which is loosely based off loosely based off Shakespeare works. It's the same guy. His name's George Melius. Melius something. Interesting. French, I think. Yeah. It's crazy how old princesses are, bro. I know it's such yeah. a random thought, but I've just... Snow White? I know. Snow White was the first colored animated, or it's the first colored movie technically, if you're counting animated movies as real movies. Yeah. It's the first colored movie of all time. I know. It came out in 1917 or something. No, why are they so important to us, <laughs> princesses? They've withstood the so many things. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's insane. It's not religious or anything. It's just, they're just princesses. I don't know. What do they mean to us? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe. I guess it means a lot to maybe young girls, but. Yeah. I mean, my sister definitely grew up on a lot of princess stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's... No, I don't know. I don't want to say feminine ideals. But Mm -hmm. also, I feel like a lot of people in in modern time, because of woke culture, have been turning against princesses. I Because I remember... But I I just feel like princesses are such an innocent thing. There's no reason to turn on them. (laughs) I know. Such an uncontroversial topic, man. (laughs) Why do you have to hit on princesses? They have all kinds of princesses now, too. They have black princesses. Yeah, they do. Yeah. It's racially inclusive. Man. Yeah. And, but also, I feel like, or not I feel like, but I've seen this thing where... They have macho princesses. Remember Brave? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a hunter and stuff. Uh, She's cool. Yeah. But the, the, the actor for the Snow White in the live adaptation Snow White movie has literally been speaking out against Snow White the entire fucking time, bro. She was saying... I don't know. Snow White is is made by these white men in nineteen eight, nineteen or in, in in eighteen ninety nine or something. 
But it was just it was just so dumb. I just didn't understand. There's there's no point. It's a story, man. Yeah. <laughs> just let it be told. And if you really want a new story, just make a new story. Yeah. <laughs> just let let these go, man. Yeah. Let them, yeah, let them remain untouched. One, yeah. Stop hating on the concept, the idea. Yeah. Wrap this episode up, bro. Yeah, <laughs> we just right? jumped all over the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like we kept the consistent topic of literature. Yeah. But did. how princesses stood the test of time is a crazy thing. Because if young girls look up to princesses, then what are you, what, what, what are we going to title this like? episode? Literature and princesses? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure it out. But if, if young girls look up to princesses, then what are young guys supposed to look up to? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'm thinking action. Fi- oh, superheroes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but superheroes are a generally new thing, too. Yeah, they are. Or, but they're way newer than than princesses. Princesses were made in 1790. Look up what was the first superhero. It can't it's be Superman that Superman in 1920. No way. Look yeah. it up. Look it up. I, I know. I know. This is off the top of my head. I know this is a fact. Okay. But sure, I'll fact check. The concept you. has to be older, though. Just a person with super abilities. Oh, it was 1938, so it was a little bit even after what I said. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. What did guys look up to before that? I don't know. Princes, probably. Kings. <laughs> a king, but no, there's no stories of kings. Yeah, there are. There's like so what? many stories of kings. Yeah, Think but about not, the Indian kings, bro. Yeah, but not as, I don't know, publicized as... as I don't think princess stories were that publicized back then. I, I really think Disney made them popular. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then Disney probably... I mean, yeah, superheroes... Even before the Marvel movies came out and stuff, I was always a yeah. pretty big superhero guy. Yeah. Or superhero child. You know, I wore my underwear inside it's out. It's because of comics. Because <laughs> of Superman. Oh, no, no. I wore my pants and I wore my underwear yeah. on top of it. That's so dumb. <laughs> Just walked around like that? Yeah. <laughs> At school? I don't remember. <laughs> All right, bro. I think we should wrap this episode right. up. In conclusion, <laughs> what is it? In conclusion, what? All right, man. It was so nice to have you here. (laughs) (laughs) Literature.